Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go behind the mat. What's up, guys? Welcome back. I got a special guest, Chief Football Officer. It's your boy, it's your nephew, it's your brother, Troy, it's your uncle. Troy Vincent of the National Football League, all pro, all everything, now doing it from the executive level. TV, how you doing, my brother? Great day. Week two was a good week two. Ohio State won. Wisconsin was on the bye. Got a big game next week, and we had some good football today. We had some damn good football, yes, indeed. It was interesting, though, because to actually be sitting in your presence in the office and you actually had, at the 1 o'clock time slot, you had 10 games going on at one time. And I thought I can only do that just by watching it at home. And most people don't know that because they would think you being in your position, you probably would kind of take this day and sit back and really enjoy the game that you kind of manage throughout the week. But that's not, not so. Not. Today's the work day. Game day is work day. So myself, along with John Runyon, Stephen Bowen, Jay Reed, just a whole op staff. You know, we, we are fully functional here in New York. When they talk about centralized replay, you got AMGC working, you got Mission Control Union, you got playoffs, Stephanie Durante and her group. You got Akil Koto and Shari Graham on the compliance side. So it is fully operational on Sunday at 1 o'clock, and you mentioned the 1 o'clock window where there's 10 games being played. And what you have to do is just train your eyeballs. You're not actually looking at the game. You're looking at the progression of the game. So one group is looking at things that are going on on the sideline. Myself, I'm tagging plays for educational plays for both the coaches, players, and officials. So today's a, a good day, not just to watch football, but to, make, to see the, the, the game evolve. Take us behind the mask of your role in particular because you just said you're tagging plays. And a lot of people don't really understand that. I remember when I played the game, I used to tag certain plays that I thought that I knew I probably would see coming up that Sunday. You're tagging plays. You're not playing. But what are you doing when you tag certain plays that you see throughout the day? So each week I have a couple different categories that I, when I say tag noteworthy plays, I'm looking at things that I would like to discuss with the competition committee. They're, t they're plays that are noteworthy plays that we want to tag for educational videos for the players for the coming week that are both good, that are very positive plays, and those plays that we want out the game. Those for uh, the coaches, and then those plays that we just want to just tag long term to just discuss. And then there may be some things that we want to discuss with the Players Association. So you can't remember it all because you got hundreds and hundreds of plays each week. So myself, John, what we're doing is looking at different things, tagging them, putting them in the system, then we'll follow up on Monday. I know one thing is that when you sit back and you view the game as a fan and you look at, oh, man, that was a bad call. This ref didn't do that. And you know, that's, that's, that's part of being like a fan. Like you were doing today. Like I was doing today. I'm not afraid to admit it. Like, you wasn't down, supposed man. to say it, please, man. Calm, Chill man. out. But my thing is I want to know what's the protocol in – when you look at some refs, and sometimes they are human. As much as I do not want to admit it, they are human and they miss calls. So what's the protocol as far as a ref getting the call so, so wrong team, and trying to get it right? I think it's important. You just recognize it. It's an imperfect game, officiated and played and coached by imperfect people. 
So while our, our referees, both the men and women, they're doing an outstanding job from an accuracy standpoint. At times when there's subjective plays, it's not always right. The human eye, but what they do at real time is fascinating. That's one of the things that I've learned in my current role is to watch these officials officiate a game at real time and some of the things that they're able to see with the naked eye where we have an opportunity to sit behind the scenes and look at replay, slow-mo, five, six, seven different angles at times when it's afforded to us. They don't get that. They get one shot. I would, you know what, I, what, what really excited me was to see um, not just necessarily the logistics, but how it's broken down into different areas. You got the Art Magnata Game Day Central Center. That's where all your that's where you're doing. That's the actual replay. Where replay, game clock management. That's where all of that's taking place. So whenever it's an instant replay, an official goes over to the box. They literally call back into this that office. That person here. is actually talking to you. Got the replay official uh, in the stadium. You have the referee, and you have Al Riveron here in New York. They're all communicating together. And then you have the Game Day Central Compliance Room, I think, which is led up by John Ryan. John Ryan oversees that. Again, that's all that's uniform, uh, that's playing equipment, that's playing surfaces. Um, that's your checks and balances there. What about the operations center? So the operations center, to me, that's the, to, that's the brain, that's the hub. That is where you're talking about security. You're looking at technology. Uh, you're looking at weather. That's pulling everything together to make sure that's talk. That's your network partners. Uh, we have a communication team in each side of these units, making sure that we're constantly communicating throughout the day, so that we're all on the same page. But that game op center, that's really the hub and the heart of what we do each and every week to make sure the game is put on time, kickoffs on time, sideline game presentation is right for the fans, players, and coaches. Uh, what surprised me also was to see how all of the logistics, they go right hand in hand together. But then you also have a social media aspect of it. If something that you want the fans to know, you actually have at Riveron, him get together, do a little video, and then you send it out to and the fans yes. through social. And that's been a progression. We haven't been there. We haven't been that responsive. In the, I mean, we've adopted is where we are, is where people are. Just real, people want real-time answers. And technology affords us to do that. So today, you know, Al, there's a play, is a particular play, both positive and negative. If there's something that there was a, a clear, obvious mistake, or there's something that we want to continue to keep educating the fan base on, we have the ability to go and socialize it, and Al can do a video real time. How much time and effort? Because I actually know, but I, I just want to share some light on this. How much time and effort do you guys put together collectively? on not only educating the player, but trying to educate the fan on this is what goes into our glorious game and this is what makes it into what it is today. Well, we're doing a better job of that today. And I think what you've seen today, we're now sharing what we do, how we do it. We can do more of it. Um, it's what we do every single day. It's, it's part of our DNA. And we're getting better at it. We want to be transparent. We want to... Clarity, consistency, and credibility, that's the most important thing for our department. And the more we communicate, the more we're transparent with, with the players, with the coaches, and with our fans, the better our game is. Yeah, you talk about transparency, and a lot of people get mad at refs. We talked about it's hard. It's hard to be able to actually have them to be able to make a call in a split second 
and to have it right. But what are the repercussions of when you look at this and you just say, you know what, this is how we grade the platform on whether or not you get it right, wrong, and what are the repercussions that behind it? I mentioned earlier, the the officials, they're the best in the world at what they do. Um, They're human, and at times we're going to make human mistakes. Uh, There's accountability measures. Uh, They're assessed every week. Uh, We talk about, we communicate with the officials uh, each and every week, in particular the referees. The referees, they're the the head coaches, the quarterbacks of their unit. So we're in constant communication with, uh, with our refs. And even in, at the individual positions in officiating. So from a side judge, a back judge, an umpire, ref, even individually, position specific, uh, we're constantly educating, constant accountability there. Again, they're the 33rd team. Mm-hmm. So there's, I mean, they're the, they're the third team. Um, so you consider there's a, the two teams is playing, and then there's that third team, the officiating crew. Um, they do a phenomenal job. Um, All of our jobs are tough, so there is no excuse. Perfection is what we're looking for, and oftentimes they do reach it. You guys have put a special emphasis on the way-to-play program, and it starts with uh, the ground level, youth league football. We all know both of us are OGs of the game. Uh, Ooh, I'm an OG. Yeah, you you officially an OG. You were an OG before me. So that means back in the day – Fans still want to see the gruesome hits and and going back to the Raiders, Jack Tatum, even myself, you know, shameless plug. Um, what are some of the things that are you, are impl- you guys are implementing now to try to make sure, like, you know what, it's a new day for these young kids out here today. We have to show them the way to play, the new way so, to play. So, T, I would say this is about because we know better, we have to do better. You know, Scripture talks about once you read the Scripture, you're, you're held accountable for God's Word. So it's the same thing as we review the game today. If we want children and kids to continue to play, we want parents to keep bringing their boys and girls out to participate. What was acceptable years ago, decades ago, where we glorified the game, where it was a bloody sport, it was a blood sport, that's not that's that wasn't right. So I think we as gatekeepers, that's our responsibility to make sure what we know now that we do better. So we talk about way to play. There's a way to play the game. Everyone wants the same thing on the field, in particular at the professional level where that the two players want both want to go home, make, a, make good money, have fun, get their ball on on Sunday, Mondays, and Thursdays, and be healthy. So both want the same thing. We can't be out having players out, or we don't want players out in the field trying to maim one another. So when we look at way to play, we just want to educate the coach, the parent, the player on the proper way to play. And you can still have big hits. You can still separate man from ball. You can still have big hits on the, on the QB. All of those things still exist. But you're not out there trying to necessarily impose harm on someone. You and I both know when you grow up in these neighborhoods, uh, mostly black kids that look like you and I, the reality of it is this is a way out. And a lot of kids play this game, over 70% or minorities that play this game in the National Football League. What is your message to the single parent uh, moms out there that raise their kids and they're worried about their kids playing the game? Uh, what's your word to, to ensure to them that you're keeping this, you're trying your best to Ask keep this right game question. at a high rate? Ask the right questions. I'm a parent. 
been married 25 years. So Tommy and I, we have three boys, two boys that play college football, one to play high school football. And I can put my executive hat on and then my parent hat. We got asked the right questions. Where is the game? What are the protocols? What are the best practices? You got to make sure that the coaches are certified. But the game is in the, the best shape it has been in in our time, and it will continue to evolve. The investments that our Player Health and Safety Committee has made in equipment, protective equipment, it's better than it's ever been before. We have to challenge our coaches to make sure that when we have these leagues going across the, around the country, uh, that their proper teaching techniques that's being being that they're, they're educating the parents on. So the game's at a good place. And also, I, I always ask parents, why isn't your kid playing football? You know, the values that come along with our game from teamwork, commitment, integrity, all those things that we've learned on the field that are transferable skills in real life. It's not just it's just a way out. But, man, the game teaches you, team sport teaches you so much about real life and those things that you're going to endure in, in, in your everyday life as you mature through life. So the game of football is great. Um, I, I grew up in a football family. I raised a football family today. I encourage every parent, hey, take a look at our sport, bring your son or daughter out and have some fun. When you look at your story from Trenton, New Jersey, made it out of Trenton, went to Wisconsin. I don't know why you did that. Guess because Auburn didn't offer you, but that's another story. I want, I want a proper education. Oh, there we go. Don't talk body blow. SEC schools. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. We, even, we, it, we run everything. Listen, y'all didn't even want people of color even to be in part of your institutions. Now you want to, you, you, you touting about, you want, you, why are you looking at me that way? Stop it. Thank you, Wisconsin. Well, hey, you know, well, we got to, we, you got me on that one. Yes. You got me. But, no, I want to ask you this, though, because your story is, is, is a little – it's a lot different. Came out of Trenton, went to Wisconsin, then perennial pro bowler. Miami, Philadelphia, we played together in Buffalo. You then became head of the Players Association, the president. Um, Can you tell people I actually showed you how to put together your playbook? How to? Well, you know what you did? You showed me how to study. I give you credit for that. And I give you a lot of credit for that. You be a pro. I am. I'm not gonna give you credit stop for that. Stop it. You better. You stop gave it. me some tips, but you didn't you show better, me how. Huh? You were a better. Fine. I was. I was a better. I was, better, was a better, better, better professional. When I entered into the locker room, God allowed me to come to Buffalo, New York, to right. spend time with Takeo Spikes and London Fletcher, and Nate Clemens. You did. Let me tell you. All right, guys. Another behind the mask moment. Troy came in the locker room. <laughs> and so I was holding court by my locker. And so I had one of those. On a regular, this guy was holding court. <laughs> on a regular. I had a smooth magazine in my hand. And me and my circle, we were really, we were um, uh, imbibing, uh, or I say we were, we were just really taking our time turning the pages because we really took advantage of our free time. And we were holding court on Oh, man. No, no, no. I like her. I like her. So I see Troy. He walked by two times. And the third time he walked by and he was like, hey, man, what you doing? And I'm like, what you mean what I'm doing? You see what I'm doing? And he just looked at me and he was like, when are you going to get right? You know, when are you going to get right? And I'm like, what you mean? I'm already right. He was like, you got to understand 
what you continue to feed your mind and your soul and your body, that's what you become. And so he left me with that nugget and he walked away. And me, I'm like, man. Pride, this joke of pride. No, I, I kind of wanted to swing on you a little bit, though. I was like, he don't just come in here, you he don't tell me what I'm thinking. I'm enjoying my time off. I'm, I'm taking time to enjoy what I like to see. So, long story short, as we keep going, I keep, he'll walk by, he'll give me that Flipping look. Flipping through a lingerie magazine. Lord have mercy. That's what they make it for. Maybe I was just trying to look at it. Man, and we were trying to win football games. But that was on my off time. <laughs> so that was the start of Troy Vincent putting his handprint on Takeo Spikes. And I had to take a step back because you know what? I realized he was right. And that was his first contribution, which really was a long-lasting contribution, even to this day, that really kind of changed my mindset. You are what you feed yourself. I call it the tale of two wolves. Everybody have two wolves inside of their body. The one that you feed the most is the one that will be displayed the most. And so, Troy, I do give you props. I give you respect because you kept me in check. And from that point, you know, it... it, it so it, let's it, remember also, Takeo wasn't used to winning football games. You wasn't either. You better stop it. Are you you was on Buffalo me? team. What you talking not about? My, we were on the same. My first year, I came to Buffalo to, in part, winning ways. I came from Philly. So no wonder multiple, why we damn lost all those games. Multiple year champions, Miami. Multiple year champions. What are you talking about? I probably should have kept looking at that smooth magazine and that lingerie. You but anyway, you and lawyer. Oh my gosh! Shout out to lawyer, my lawyer, my dog, loud dog. I, I'm gonna get you on this podcast. But look, back to you though. Let me try to take the story on me. Yeah, you put your handprint on me. I appreciate that. But you look at how, you know, president of the Players Association, your transition out of the game into where you are now, an executive at the National Football League. Uh, Tell people, what was your mindset while going through playing the game, starting at Miami, Philly, Buffalo, finishing your career at Washington? What made you different or what sparked something inside of you to make you say, you know what, I am more than just a football player that goes out well, there and play? It was always that way. When I left out of high school, the game is what I played. It wasn't who I was. I represented my family. I represented Jesus Christ. And I represented the game, my teammates. And that was always the mindset, was get an education and become a productive citizen. And that was the mindset that I had, whether I was drafted in the first round, whether I signed a contract or not, it was always to be a participant of the game. But it was the game was the community assisting people that could not help me was always important. So... It was always about community, always about the guys in the locker room, about what was next in their lives, seeing the tragedies, seeing the failure, the choices that the men were making, and just saying, okay, what can I do? Controlling the controllables and trying to put things in place, always fighting for those that didn't have a voice or couldn't fight, didn't have a platform. That was always important to myself and my wife. But being inside that locker room, it was the, the most important thing was the game and the people who played it the coaches who coached it, and those owners who were giving all of us the platform to do what we love to do, 
each and every day and on the weekends. So it was always about the game, the people, and community. So if it was always about the game, the people, and the community, what advice would you give that young teenager now who aspire to be a football player, who aspires to be way bigger than just going out there playing the game? So I would just say be intentional about your efforts. Uh, choose your friends. Uh, choose your conversations. Uh, choose where you be. Choose those things. Be wise in those decisions with choices, uh, with decisions, choices, decisions, and consequences. So always think about that good and bad. And you can be what you want to be. Uh, you have to decide what you want to be and then go for it. Think about every single day, as I tell my young boys who are teenagers and young men, uh, what did you do today to, to live out your dreams? Did you do, what did you do today to become a little bit better and getting a little bit better every day? So, but you got to be intentional about those efforts. And what do you tell those guys who were like me, who have the smooth magazines? Now it's Instagram because that was before we had the social media. You got to pick, you know, so for me at that particular day, T, I just was, I picked a spot because I wasn't trying to challenge you in front of your peers. I just saw something in you that you had that particular time you didn't see in yourself. And someone just had to nudge you because you, you, you had good parents, so you had a good upbringing. You just were as influenced by, you were making choices and being influenced by just things that you didn't have to be. So I just found the right spot, which we all can do. We all see people, myself included, where we can always just tap him on the shoulder. This is not about embarrassing anybody, especially in front of his homies or his boys or his, his, his close constituents. This is about taking the time in a moment when you see something that you may can sow a seed or impart something to someone that, that may alter their life. And I think we all have that responsibility. We just got to pick our spots. Right, right. Well, Troy, I appreciate you sitting down, giving me a little time from behind the mask. I can't believe this guy. Yes, I can. I'm so proud of him. And it all started with that little nudge in the locker room. And you did challenge me. Because if you didn't, not necessarily in front of my guys, much respect, but you challenged me. And it made me sit down. When I went home that night, and I never told you this, I went home and I got this book that somebody told me to get. And I read this book and it was all about purpose. What's your purpose? Like, why are you doing it? What's your why? And I, just, I started reading that book. And from that moment on, after I started reading the chapter in that book every night, Eventually, that led to me becoming the man who I am today. Part of it was anyway. So I appreciate you for that moment. Well, once we all understand our why, why did, why did God put us on? Because God doesn't make mistakes. Right on. And we all have a, the gifting. God has given us all gifting. It's just sometimes it takes us longer than others to identify what those are. But once we identify our why, what's our being, why are we here, why do we exist, now we can move through life, and God can use us like he's using you today. And like I'm using you to do this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be part. Yeah, I appreciate that. Guys, I appreciate you joining in. What comes up is exactly what comes out, and that's Behind the Mask.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.